Hi, and welcome to Choice Words, a podcast by and for book nerds. I'm your host, Gracie, um, local pigeon and published poet. And I am Ray, your book-infested blogger and local cryptid. (laughs) And today we are continuing, we're finishing up our conversation about the books that have shaped us um, and have impacted us throughout our lives up to this point. Um, I'm sure there will be many to come. But yeah, just a continuation, a part two from last week. So if you didn't catch last week's, or I guess... Two weeks ago. Yeah, if you didn't catch our last episode, um, go and check it out because this will be part two of that. So why don't you go next? Tell us some more about some books that have impacted you. Because I think we left off with me. Yeah, so um, one of the things I talked about last time is that I have books that have impacted me in varying ways, though. Mm. Not just of, like, oh, they impacted my life, but, like, they impacted um, different ways that, like, I consume media. Um, And so one book that really impacted me is a weird one. And if anyone has heard about this book... I want to hear how you came into contact with this book because it's so awesome, um, just and how that would work. So it's called Sintram and His Companions by ooh, Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. <laughs> Me with my terrible author last names, um, definitely probably mispronounced that. Um, anyway, but it's um, a book... That was initially published in 1814. Mm. Um, The copy that I own, I think, was published in 1864. Um, But the reason why this book had an impact on my life was not necessarily any of the contents of the book, although it was a fun read. Um, It is one of the first antique books that I started collecting Mm. and started my antique book collection that I now have, Mm -hmm. um, which I spent way too much money on um <laughs> god and yeah. i know like legitimate book collectors will like probably look at the prices that i've paid for books and just be like mm, that's nothing but like for me it's a lot of money um and i'm not gonna disclose how much i've spent on antique books but <laughs> <laughs> um but i know that there are people who have spent upwards of like four or five figures on books right it can be a pretty pretty yeah. spendy habit yeah um but I found this book in this little bookstore in um, a town up in up north of, um, I think it was Michigan. And it was this little bookstore, and I had gone in, and I was buying a paperback copy of The Three Musketeers. Um, naturally. Naturally, of course. That's what every, what, like, 17-year-old does. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I bought a Voltaire used edition nice. at a small. Nice. <laughs> Mine was uh, northern Minnesota, but nice. <laughs> similar vibe. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I think we were on a camping trip or something, my family and I. Anyway, we went into town, and there was this little bookshop, and I was really excited because they had, like, a little used book, antique mm-hmm. book section. It was literally, like, one little tiny like half high shelf yeah so like the shelf came up to like my hip Mm -hmm. and it was just like some used and secondhand books and whatever and I was like poking through and I found this book and I'm like oh my god 1864 wow and I was like super excited um and I like while I was paying for my um through three musketeers Mm -hmm. I was like hey um I'm really interested in this book it's a really cool looking book but it was marked at like $50 $50 or something, which mm. is, as a 17-year-old is, like, a lot of money to spend That's on a book. very much for me now at 24. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but it was it was about fifty dollars, which was a lot of money for me at that point. Right. And I remember I bought, um, you know, like as I'm paying for this thing, she was like, "Oh, well, it's been here for a few years, and I haven't been able to sell it." Um, if you can make me a good offer on it, I'd probably mm-hmm. let it go to you. And I was just like, all I have is the $10 and 51 cents that you gave me in change. And she was like, yeah, okay. Oh, and cute. I literally like, I had just finished putting my money away and yeah. I was so excited that I picked up my wallet and like turned it over and just started shaking it out oh. to the counter. And like change is falling and like the bills fell out. Yeah. And I, like, <clears throat> ran back there because I had pointed it out to my dad. Mm-hmm. And then um, my parents had left. I forget where they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I just, like, picked the book up. And I was like, do you need anything? She's like, no, do you want a receipt? And I'm like, no, that's fine. And I remember I just, like, bolted out of the store Aww. and was, like, running down the sidewalk. And yeah. I saw my dad. And I was just like, dad, 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 dad. Like, full, like, five-year-old mode at 17. I was that's like, so dad, cute. dad, 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 dad. I got, I got the book. And I was so excited. Um, and then the book was okay. Like <laughs> You had never read the book at that point. Say what? You had never read the book at that point. No, I hadn't read it up oh. to that point. I can't. Your book buying is so weird to me. <laughs> I've never. See, see, I find books, if they're, the way that I go about buying antique books is like, if it's older than 1900, mm-hmm. I usually want it. If it's fiction. Um, Wild. And so, like, I would only want the antique book of a book that I love and have already read. <laughs> no, see, that's, for me, that's part of the fun because I'll read the books. Like, right. I'll buy the books and read them. Right. So, like, I have a first edition of this book that, like, I have never seen in print anywhere, anywhere else hmm. at any other time, and I don't even remember the name of the title, but it was from like eighteen twelve or something, mm-hmm. and I. It had, like, engraving plates and everything, and I was super excited, and then the book was hot garbage. But it's from 1812, and it's a first edition, so, like, it's a win-win for me. And, again, I think I spent, like, ten bucks on it, so. Right, right. In, like, a little bookstore in the middle of nowhere. Seriously, guys, like, go find bookstores in the middle of freaking nowhere. You will find the coolest books. Absolute gems. It's not in the middle of nowhere. But there's this really great bookstore in Minneapolis. Um, oh, God. What is it called now? Which one? That crime one that we go to. Oh, Once Upon a Crime. Once Upon a Crime. <laughs> yeah. That crime one we go to. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of the name. But it, um, it's this really great place. Um, it's like this super tiny bookstore. But they have this place called the Annex mm-hmm. in there. And it's this super cool like little back room. Mm-hmm. You have to go through this super You janky. literally have to ask them, can I see your annex? <laughs> yeah. And it's like you have to go through like this super janky hallway. And, Where there's like, like one light. Yeah. And it's and, like down a flight of stairs in the basement. Yeah. It's like you you go there and you're like, cool, cool. This is the part where I get murdered. But it's full of like rare books. Yes. First editions. Yeah. I bought an Agatha books. Christie from them that I still have. I don't know if they still have it, but they had like... One of the earliest bound printings of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I remember As, that. like, a complete set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it was expensive. Right. But they they have, like, some really weird, like... Because their whole thing is um, thrillers and crime yeah. books. Um, so that's primarily what they have. So you go into the annex and you've got some, like, really random, like, early edition paperbacks of, like, mm-hmm. when mystery and thriller novels first became a thing. Yeah, absolutely. That you can get for, like, 50 cents. Yeah. I don't know if they're that cheap, but, like, <laughs> you you see them and you're like, wow, these are, like, 
I mean, I guess. But then you also have some really great gems that you find. And that's pretty much anywhere when you have old or independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. They just have some of the the greatest stuff that you can possibly find. Yeah. So where I left off in the last episode, I had kind of talked about some books that I had really loved in that like middle school, early high school age. Um, and so I guess moving on chronologically into high school, um, there were a lot of books that I read and loved. I, again, as I mentioned in the last podcast, read ravenously. I just, I would go, we used to go, so I was homeschooled in high school, as you know, um, but for the pod, (laughs) I was homeschooled in high school and we would go from, um, the time that we first started homeschooling up until I was in uh, the later end of high school working three jobs and didn't have time for it anymore, we would go to the library with some other homeschool, another family that also homeschooled uh, once a week. Um, every Tuesday was library day. And um, so the young adult section of my library would rotate like the books that sat on the top of the shelves as they're like promo-y, like here are the featured books of the week. And I would go and I would just grab whichever ones looked or sounded interesting and I would take them home and I would read them and the next week, like I would be bringing home like 10 books a week. (laughs) And so there were a lot of books that I read and loved, but specifically towards the like sophomore year, I mean, even before that, I... are the John Green books. (laughs) Literally all of them. I have been a fan of John and Hank Green since 2007 when they first started doing um, Vlogbrothers. That was when I first started watching them. I don't even remember how anymore. Um, But then it wasn't actually until like into high school when I started reading John's books. And um, I don't know why I hadn't read them up to that point or what happened that I all of a sudden was like, I should read these books. Um, but I read Looking for Alaska and The Fault in Our Stars, and I just remember loving them so much. Ray and I were actually just talking about these books earlier this week because I have been on a bit of a <laughs> Vlogbrothers kick. I've been watching a lot of old videos, and with that has come wanting to reread books by John from when I was in high school. Um, and so I was talking about how in the original copies that I bought and had at my house, I would write in the margins like it was the Bible. Like I would write in the margins of those books, like my life depended on it. And sometimes it did, like it felt like it did at least. (laughs) And so I, I loved those books. They were so essential to me at a time where I felt like nobody understood me. And I felt very understood by those books, especially I would say, um, I mean, all of them, but (laughs) I think there was something in particular about The Fault in Our Stars, um, which if you haven't read or don't know anything about, it's about these two kids who have cancer, and I obviously did not have cancer growing up. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. I did not have cancer growing up, Um, but I was diagnosed with some pretty serious chronic disorders starting at age 12, and there is this description of being so young and feeling like so much of your life has been taken from you that I really, really resonated with. And, and the, I don't know how to describe, you know, like there was just, it was, there was something so powerful to me about seeing these kids who felt very similar to the way that I felt. And in some ways that was too much for them. And in other ways, they still figured out how to make the best of their time. Mm -hmm. And so 
that book was really influential to me, not only as a person, but also as a writer where I was like, again, I come back to like the, all of these books on my list and time and time again, the thing that was the most influential to me about it was either that it helped me get through a time or that I finish reading it and go, God, I just want to write books that make people feel like that. Mm. <laughs> and that was, de- that's definitely the way I feel every time I read one of John's books. Um, and, and that's the same way I felt reading Hanks as well. I, obviously we've talked about those on the podcast before, and I'm sure many times in the future I will reference the Green Brothers again. Um, but yeah, so that, that, those were very influential to me in high school. So yeah, we'll come back to my other one though. So yeah. What's next for you? Uh, talking about books that were influential in middle school and high school, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the one book that everybody loves to hate, or at least one of the books that everybody loves to hate, the Twilight series. I've never <laughs> read them. Exactly. <laughs> um, I've never read them or seen the movies, but also, again, that's not that much of a surprise. The reason why I want to bring that book up is not because I love Twilight, because I don't love Twilight. Um, I did love Twilight for a time. I won't deny it. I was a Twihard. That's fine. I was, I was young and dumb. You're not, you're not joining the resurgence that's happening currently? No, not particularly. <laughs> it had a it, it had a really interesting place, though, in, like, my literature lineup. Mm. Um, because I actually read that series. Well, I read the first one or two books mm-hmm. before I read Dracula. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Which is like... And see, I read you, I read Dracula in middle school. <laughs> yeah, so like anyone who knows me in person probably thinks that I read Dracula like in my crib. In the womb. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> you wrote it. So <laughs> yeah, like... I, and actually, previous, I wouldn't put that on you. That book's not very good. <laughs> in a previous life, I was Bram Stoker. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to be an Irish playwright or Scottish playwright, whatever he was. Um... <laughs> I'm not touching it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry to every Irish and Scottish person who may be listening to this that I might have offended. Um. <laughs> or any person who likes Dracula who I offended by saying the book's not that good. But it's not. People have built way better tropes on top of it. Yeah. So here, here's the interesting thing about, like, Twilight. Yes. And its bridge into some of my now more favored literature. Um, is because Twilight was, like, the socially acceptable middle Mm. ground of the stuff that I already had an interest in but couldn't, like, segue into without people becoming concerned or asking me questions. Mm. (laughs) So, so, like, I, reading Twilight, I could still read about vampires and no one would question me about it. Right, right. And you could talk about it with other people. And I could talk about it. So then it's, like, a natural, quote-unquote, leaps to go, like, Oh, here's a book about vampires. Let me read another book about vampires. Right. Arguably one of the biggest, like, founders of vampire lore in popular society now. Right. Definitely not, like, the founder of vampire lore, but, like... Definitely to a wider audience. To a wider audience and definitely popularized and created the basis for what vampire culture is now. Right. Um, well, it opened a lot of doors for other TV shows and literature and mm-hmm. things, especially t- geared towards young adult audiences. Yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started, I, I read the entire Twilight series. And the, the interesting thing about reading the Twilight series when I did, by the time that I got to the end of the series, mm-hmm. so I started reading it in middle school. I don't remember exactly when, but like fairly soon to when it first started coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then read all of the books as they were released. Mm. By the time I got to the last book, 
it was at that point that I was just like, wow, Edward's really not like a good person. <laughs> and yeah. like everyone in these stories are kind of awful. Yeah. I don't know, man. But but it's still like served as that middle ground yeah. for me to then segue into reading Dracula and from there, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting into more of the like classic gothic horror yeah. stories getting into reading H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. getting into reading all that other stuff. So it's why... circling all the way back around to Jonathan Sims. Oh my god. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> we will eventually be reviewing that book on our podcast. 13 Stories by Jonathan Sims. <laughs> Go listen to the Magnus Archives. It's really good. Oh, I'm still not caught up. Oh my god, what is wrong with you? I can't! <laughs> I don't like when things end. <laughs> To be fair, and I, I'm totally okay putting this on the podcast, yeah. I did not like how the series ended. <gasps> that doesn't help me want to listen to it. I only told you Well, this, what it probably means is that I will love it. Yeah, that is, <laughs> you probably will really like it. But anyways, all yeah. that to say, carrying through to this day yeah, into carrying through to horror this day, literature yeah, and it, media. It, it allowed for that like safe, quote-unquote, segue yeah. into what I do enjoy mm-hmm. um, and that I feel like I was able to step into almost a segment of my personality or a, mm-hmm. a portion of like my pop culture identity, yeah. I guess, um, that I wasn't, not like allowed, but like it wasn't as socially acceptable mm-hmm. for me to do at mm-hmm. that point. So Twilight itself is whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to deny that I read it. I'm not going to deny that at a point in my life, yes, did I enjoy it, but its purpose was more to allow the avenue for me to get to the next step, which I feel like those books are often glossed over, not Twilight specifically, but those books that like serve as the stepping stones are sometimes glossed over, but I still feel like they're really important. Absolutely. I, it's funny, I did not have this book on my list, but it is a book that I very much loved. I never read Twilight, but I did read The Host. Oh, and I, I also loved read the that book. I like the concept of that book. I do too. I really like that. I, was, I don't know that I liked the book itself, but I, really I don't remember like the anymore. Idea I still it. have it. We can read it for the pod. <laughs> I have it. It's in my room right now. Um, yeah, I read the host. I think I don't remember how I, I was. It was in either late elementary or no. <laughs> It was either in late middle or early high school the first time I read it, and I read it a couple of times throughout high school, and then bought it when I was in college to read again. I don't think I ever, I haven't read it since high school, but I own it because I was like, oh, I should read that again. And found it on like a dollar wall at a used bookstore. Again, go to used bookstores and just yeah. find stuff. <laughs> go, go to library sales. Oh. I bought, what I, it's really funny. I have a yes. five volume set that I found out mm-hmm. just recently that is part of a bigger volume set. I bought all five volumes for a dollar and I'm finding that there are separate pieces of the volume set yeah being sold for like 50 bucks a pop and i'm just like what yeah (laughs) go to libraries go to library sales go to small bookstores yeah please (laughs) and that's it's funny that we bring up library sales that was another big part of what 
got me into so much reading when I was a kid is that my mom would take us to our local library sales on the very last day. And on the very last day, they would do dollar bag days. So anything you could fit into a paper bag, you could take home for a dollar. And we would just roll in with like four paper bags and just fill them with anything that we thought looked good or that, you know, we also bought encyclopedias and like we were, again, we were homeschooled. So we bought stuff for homeschooling, but like me and my sister would just ravage. We would just wing hand through the aisles of the kids <laughs> section of the book sale and just go, yep, these are all mine now. See, that's a really great and cheap way to like entertain your kids if yeah. you're on a budget. Build or, a like, library. entertain yourself if you're on a budget. Absolutely. I 100% like as a teenager just lived in the library. Yeah, same. Like, my parents. My librarians people, knew me by name. <laughs> yeah, my parents like regularly tell the story that I would just like disappear in the morning and spend all day at the library, and like mm-hmm. they never had to like ask where I was. Yeah. Like if people would be like, "Oh, you know, where's Ray?" They'd just be like, "Oh, down down at the library." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my sister and I used to volunteer at the library a lot, too. Yeah. Anyways, all that to say, (laughs) books, check them out. (laughs) (laughs) The last book that I'm bringing specifically uh, to the table, there are so many that I could talk about, especially books that I've read since, I mean, even just in the last, like, six months, books that I've read that have literally changed my life, some of which we've talked about on the pod, some of which we haven't, some of which we will be talking on the pod, ha ha ha, stay tuned, (laughs) Um, some of which I'm reading right now, like, right now. I'm reading a book that I can already tell is, like, shaping the way that I will approach literature and also just life. Mm. And it's wild. <laughs> um, but the last book that I'm kind of bringing as my, like, here are the here's the list of books that I would tell people have been my favorites and have affected me is a book called Purple Hibiscus by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And I apologize for not being able to pronounce that as well as it should be. I read it for the first time when I was a freshman in college. It was actually, I'm, it was the first literature class that I took my first semester of college as an English major. So it was just a little baby. Um, <laughs> the class was called Multicultural Novel and I loved the class so much that I took it again later as a TA and uh, taught a couple of the classes when my professor was out. And uh, this by far was my favorite book that I read I don't want to say the whole time I was in college, but certainly in that class, it was my favorite book. And a lot of that is, again, coming back to some of the same things that we saw or that I was seeing looking at my list, is that it is about this young girl who goes through so much and who uses her imagination and her writing and her just ability as a creative person to make her way out of it. And and I... Um, it, it was, to me, one of the most, like, accurate descriptions of where I was at emotionally at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, you know, like, the main character, she grows up in the church and with a very, you know, difficult family situation that was very similar to one I had come from. And the just reading so clearly laid out before me what my life was like and how it felt to be me, I was, like, shocked by. Again, very similar to what I was mm-hmm. saying with Tiffios, is that, like, there was just something so special to me about about feeling so seen by an author who had nothing to do with me and who would likely never know me and had never known me up to that point. And to, and to see something of myself laid out so clearly in, in a work of fiction that I just, again, once again, come, came back to this place of, God, I just want to write like that. I want to write books or works of 
short fiction or poetry. I want to write in a way that makes people feel like that. And it also came at a time that was so critical to me in, in, in my journey of making my way out of what I had been through. And so it's still a book that I come back to and just sob the whole time I read it. Um, I should add it to my list to read again this year because it's been, I think, probably two or three years now since I've read it. Um, and it's just so, so good. And I actually also just picked up another one of Adichie's books because I try to read everything she's written. And the last time I was at Subtext, the bookstore that we shout out so frequently here on our podcast, I saw one that I had not read before. And I was like, oh, that's mine now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love, 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 love everything about it. Also, you should check out her TED Talks if you haven't. She's got some great ones. Nice. Yeah, so that kind of completes my list. What else do you have for us? Um, I'm going to talk about three books in really quick succession yeah, here do it. because I read them not quite back to back, but pretty close pretty to close. it. Pretty <laughs> close. Um, well, the first one I read for the first time when I was in middle school, but then have read yeah. at varying inter- intervals throughout my life, and it still hits me every single time. Um, and that's The Outsiders oh. by S.C. Hinton. And like, Such a good book. The first time I read that book, I was not expecting it to hit me Mm -hmm. as hard as it was because my dad had actually told me about it. And it was because I was, even at like a young age, I was talking about being a writer and like I would Mm -hmm. always bounce ideas off of my dad. Yeah. And I was like struggling through the story idea and he's like, well, you could could always like end it in a round kind of thing, you know? And he's like, like the book, The Outsiders, you know, the story ends the same way Mm -hmm. that it begins, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. So I, like, 100%, like, knowing nothing else about this story. Yeah. Just, like, this book, and I was just like, do-do-do, my dad said that this is a good book. And then I got through it, and I just, like, <laughs> sobbed. And I think yeah. that book impacted me because it showed, I'm not quite sure how to say this, but, like, a part of not my personal life, but, mm-hmm. like, life that I saw um, and, like, experienced kind of on the fringes mm. um, in a really visceral way not visceral but like a, a really impactful way yeah um because it, it seemed to speak to the same kind of feeling and the same kind of culture that I experienced in some of the um smaller towns mm. growing up not yeah. personally but that like I had family that lived there so I mm-hmm. saw it a lot an adjacent experience an adjacent experience and so like being on the fringes of those stories and then reading this book and also kind of experience so therefore experiencing um pony boy's story secondhand right had that like it was the same emotion yeah and like seeing that mirrored so intensely from like real life into this book mm-hmm. um was one of the first times that i had had that experience yeah. of like oh this hits really close yeah. to home yeah um <clears throat> i read that book for the first time when i was a junior in college can you believe it took me that long to get there i read it It's also on my list to read again this year. (laughs) When I first read that book, I read it eight times in a row. Dang. And I cried every Every single time. time. (laughs) (laughs) The Outsiders was your catcher in the rye. (laughs) See, the really funny thing, though, is that, like, I read it eight times in a row, and then I didn't pick it up for, like, two years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But when I did pick it up again, it was in high school. And, like, this is going to be a really weird jump of genres, but mm. I'm talking about these these three books because I, like I read fits. them <laughs> almost back to back. So I read The Outsiders, and then I read Lolita, and then I wrote, <laughs> read uh, The Inferno. 
Oh my god. I mean, that tracks. Like, that's how I read in high school, too, is it was just like, here's everything. Yeah. So, but Lolita had an impact on me, and I'm gonna... Before This anybody, is not a review. Yeah, this is not a review, and before anybody says anything... I know that Lolita is extremely controversial for obvious reasons. Mm. I am prefacing this by saying two things. One, Lolita, while disgusting, is incredibly well written. I've never read it. You cannot read the book and not at least acknowledge the craftsmanship of it. Mm. Two, anybody who reads Lolita and uses it as a justification... Mm is reading the wrong story. Mm-hmm. It's a story of obsession. And having heard so much about Lolita, that that's part of what I want to talk about, is like having heard so much about Lolita, um, I don't remember if I read it for a class or not. I think a group of friends... Oh, and God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I think a group of friends of mine and I um, like read it together... Because we were we were all like weird literature nerds. Oh, I love that though. So I wish like, I had that. I mean, I kind of did. I had one friend who we both read very similarly, but yeah. So like, we sometimes recommend books to each other, and then we would just all read them. Um, so I read Lolita, and like reading that book really hammered home some things about like how people perceive literature Mm. versus what the story actually is Mm, interesting Um, and so that have we talked about the author authorial intent on this podcast yet because we should no we haven't (laughs) not not on podcast you and i have had this well right of course like on podcast we have not had this conversation so People who read Lolita and use it as a justification are missing what the story is actually about. The The story showcases excellently the effects of unreliable narrator mm. and unreliable narrator um, because everything is shown through the filter of the main male character who is clearly not fully um, sound in his moral reasoning. Mm. I'll put it that way. I'm putting it very nicely. Um but people will read it and read a completely different context into it. Mm. Um, and so it's a story about obsession and that sort of thing. And so that that book in and of itself had a big impact on me just in how um, it kind of taught me how people will take literature, even if that's not what it's intended as. Mm. And kind of the impacts and waves that literature can make, mm-hmm. even without your intention for it. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thing for me. And then following it up with um, just finally touching base here on um, The Inferno by Dante Alighieri, mm-hmm. however you want to pronounce that. I usually um, just say Dante. <laughs> Leave it at that because people know what you mean. <laughs> um, was very interesting for me because The Inferno is a very interesting mesh of like Catholicism and mythology mm-hmm. um particularly like roman and greek mythology yeah and so um that was just very interesting for me seeing in literature things that i'd been interested in at a younger age of like the religious yeah. background and i know that like the way that i'm talking about books that have impacted me are, is very different from like how gracie is talking about how um books have impacted them but for me books 
aren't always like emotionally yeah. the impactful thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of like impactful of how I approach literature oh, yeah. or how I view literature or um, you know, some some of the books that have impacted me have been an impact on like my how I approach like moral spectrums or yeah. maybe I see like their effects in how I write stories now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's really interesting just to look at how books can affect people in different ways. Absolutely. So like um, I think it's also interesting to talk about how like like you at the beginning of episode one were like we're not going to be talking about a religious religious text even though of course religious texts are going to be influential on you and I almost feel like that's what I am doing is like here are my I mean not that I find them religious but I'm like here are the books that shaped my moral code and how I see the world and like I could there are like I there are so many books that I have not mentioned that have impacted me greatly especially like you're saying in a, in a way of like it changed the way I read books or it changed the mm-hmm. way that I write and like yes I've touched on some of that here especially with some of those books that have like it's because they impacted me so emotionally that they made me want to change the way that I write mm. um but there were there are countless books where I appreciated in a more I guess academic sense of like this changed the way that I like read books critically or etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um but yeah but I think it's really cool to look at the way that we've both approached this topic of, like, what are the books that have affected you the most? <laughs> yeah, because I've definitely had a couple of books, like, obviously, like, The Outsiders, and then, you know, talking about um, Tagarung. Yeah. Like, these are both books that I emotionally feel very strongly yeah. about. But also a lot of the books that have impacted me, I look at, and it's just, like, how did they affect how I approach literature? Yeah, How did absolutely. they affect the way that I read or the lens through which I view um, other forms of media? So for me, that that's kind of mm-hmm. where I take this, and it's 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 just very interesting to see. Yeah, you know, we are very similar, and yet the way that we sometimes go about how mm-hmm. we view these things are very different. Yes, absolutely. So, do you think that if we read, I'm going to ask this to you, um, <laughs> <Okay>. directly. <laughs> do you think that you, if you had not read these books, would you have turned out to be the same or a similar person, or do you think that you would have turned out differently? Oh, um. I think if you had taken away, like, one or two of the books individually, I I kind of would have turned out to be generally the same person. Um, But I think if you had taken away all of them, I don't know who I would be. Because in a lot of ways, these books shaped who I was as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult. Um, And they do still continue to shape me to this day. Like, there are lines from some of these books that I repeat to myself on an at least weekly basis, like lines that have stuck out to me that I still, there's another book that I didn't mention on here um, called Rules. And it's a book that's about, um, it's a like middle reader to element, like late elementary school reader book. I read it in fifth grade and it's about a um, girl whose little brother has autism. And so they have like rules established for the house of like reminders for him. And one of the big ones is late doesn't mean not coming because when their dad is late, her little brother goes into like a spiral of like the the schedule is different. And she personally starts to get into a headspace of it means he doesn't care about me, which is something that I very personally like did go through for a long time where I was like, if somebody is late, it means that they don't care about me. They don't value my time. And so I still to this day, sometimes will repeat to myself late doesn't mean not coming and there are lines like this in every single one of the books I have mentioned today that where like 
lines or concepts or uh, ideas that I think about so frequently and that have turned up in my own writing and in my own life constantly. So I think if you took away all of them, I don't, I don't think I would have turned out the same. I think there were, are obviously like facets of me that would be the same, but it, it does feel like, you know, there's like nature, nurture, and literature. <laughs> That's what raised me. The three <laughs> Right. <laughs> what about you? Again, kind of a similar thing of like, if you had taken out some of these things on the fringes, like mm-hmm. I'm sure that if I hadn't read The Inferno, I'd probably still be the same person. Because um, <laughs> I was more of just like, ooh, this is interesting because it yeah. shows like the merging of these things. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I don't know that I would be the same person if you took away Frankenstein yeah. and Tagarong and you know, Dracula right. and H.P. Lovecraft and Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, like, it sounds dumb to say, but like, if you had taken away Twilight, I don't know that I ever would have gotten that safe segue right. into exactly. Dracula and H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe yeah. and, you know, all, all of the literatures, literatures, <laughs> all of the literature and authors that I now love. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, I, I have the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft, and I own, like, 30 uh, Stephen King books, yeah. probably. Yeah. So, like, I... And obviously, like, these are books, but, like, who I am as a person, I feel like, would be very changed. Or at least I would not feel comfortable fully expressing myself yeah. to the extent that I feel comfortable in my own skin now. Yeah. Like, literature really is the starting point of me being comfortable in my own person. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like reading is where people begin to find themselves. Absolutely. You know, because you read books about all these... Or at least it can be. Yeah, it can be. Because, like, if you read from a wide variety, you're going to find people, and somewhere there's going to be a connection where, like, you mesh with something. Yeah. And if you mesh with it and... If it speaks to you mm-hmm. in a profound enough way, mm-hmm. I feel like that it does start to shape your personality. Yeah, and Absolutely. so yeah, I I don't I don't think that I would be the same person. Yeah, it's funny to talk about like um, books being segues into other literature because so I obviously care a lot about John Green and his books and also his opinion on books, and so he. Every time he does any kind of book recommendation, I write it down and I'm like, cool, I'm going to read that eventually. I will get to it eventually. And a lot of them I have read and have really loved. Um, The book I am reading right now, Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, I am... I borrowed it from my friend Delaney, but I am reading it because, one, my friend Delaney lent it to me, but also because... John Green talked about how much he loved it like five years ago on his YouTube channel. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I that's on my list. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite poets, um, Yev- Yevgeny Yevgenyevchenko, mm-hmm. um, I started reading his poetry because in a book I was reading, one character yeah. is like deeply in love yes. with his poem mm-hmm. Envy. And not deeply in love with, but like resonates so profoundly with his poem Envy that like, I was feeling emotions because of how strongly this character felt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, I need to find this poem and found that poem and read a whole bunch of then um, Yevgeny's poems because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I think that wraps up 
what we want to talk about. Well, not everything that we want to talk about. Because there's, a, there's <laughs> we, we could go on. We could go days. on for a real long time. Like literally, you could see us in the street and ask us about this, and we'll oh talk to you. Please. I mean, maybe not in the street, but <laughs> yeah. If you if you holler at me in the street, I'm just gonna think that you're a weirdo, and I'll probably just ignore you. But <laughs> um, I know we derailed. Yeah, that's all we have. <laughs> but but that's all we have um, right now for what we're going to be talking about with um, our 451 books and our books that have impacted us over the course of our lives. Um, If you have books that you want to talk to us about, that you feel have really impacted you, you want a place to talk about them, you want somewhere that you can recommend books to, we would love to hear about the books that you feel have impacted you. We want to hear about the books that you care about and are passionate about. We want your book recs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Come give us your book recommendations. We are always looking for more book recommendations, especially if it is something that impacted you deeply enough that you're like, I read this in high school and I'm still thinking about it when I'm however far past high school. Or even if you're in high school now and you're like, Oh, this book just changed my life right now. My life right now. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook at Choice Words Podcast. You can also find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Choice Words underscore pod. I believe that I misspoke last time and said just Choice Words Pod. It is Choice Words underscore pod on both Instagram and Twitter. You can come, you can holler at us, you can tell us your favorite book, you can tell us your 451 book, yes. you can tell us book recommendations, you can tell us about books that you hated. Please. We love hearing <laughs> about books. In fact, I kind of want to do a book review of a book that I absolutely hated just to talk about how much I hate it. That's <laughs> very funny. I, w- I'm so down to ask you questions about a book you hated. I was like, I would love to do that too, but I can't think of a book that I genuinely like finished, but hated so much that I would be able to redu- a view a review on it. Yeah. I, I have a couple. That's fair. Um, regardless, we hope that you're having a good day. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to join us next time. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you next time. (laughs) Thank you for listening to part two of this discussion. If you're interested in checking out any of the literature we discussed in this or the last episode, here's a list of what we mentioned. In part one, we mentioned the books Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, Tagarung by Brian Jakes, The Shining by Stephen King, The Maltese Falcon by Dashiell Hammett, Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine Patterson, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Mung Kidd, and A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lagle. In part two, we mentioned the books Sintram and His Companions by Friedrich de la Motte-Fouquet, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. The Twilight Series by Stephanie Meyer. Dracula by Bram Stoker. Thirteen Stories by Jonathan Sims. The Host by Stephanie Meyer. Purple Hibiscus by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. The Outsiders by Essie Hinton. Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. The Inferno by Dante Alighieri. Rules by Cynthia Lord. Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. We also mentioned these films in part one, The Shining and The Maltese Falcon. In addition, we also mentioned these items, which you may want to check out as well. 
TED Talks given by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, Dominic Noble's YouTube Lost in Adaptation review of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and the poem Envy by Yevgeny Yevtushenko. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you soon.